And now for something completely different. The great Margaret Cho. Not a very good dancer, though. Dancing with the stars, 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 dancing with the stars. What year? Season 11. Where'd you finish? Whoa, stumped. Let's see, she would have been... Take your time. Take just Boy. let it come to you. Tell you what, we'll move on here. You think about it, okay? Don't look right. at your and phone. Break in when you've got it. He won't look at oh, his no, phone. Oh no, I won't look at the phone. Okay, you really don't know this? Yeah, but I gotta count them all down, and you don't want to hear all ten people or whatever. Well, I've got the list right in front of me. So go <laughs> ahead. Season eleven? Yes. Uh, Jennifer Grey. Yes. Kyle Massey. Yes. Bristol Palin. Yes. Adriana Patridge. Yes. Most, one of the most wrong people in the history okay, of the Okay, no editorial. Keep going. No editorializing. <laughs> uh, Ace Florence Henderson. Yes. Hey, rest in peace. Uh, nine, uh, nine was Mike Sorrentino. Who is otherwise known as? He's that Jersey Shore guy. The situation. Yeah, right. Good, good, good. Uh, and then Margaret Cho. Yes! Tenth wow. place. recognize this song? I hope you do. I hope you do very much. Because if you do recognize that song, then you are in the right place. That, of course, is the opening to the Dancing with the Stars TV show, a show that I'm very fond of. Oh, what the heck, I'm in love with. And they used that uh, opening theme song for the first 16 seasons of the show. Uh, season 17, they went in a different direction. You know, everything evolves and changes and moves on. But uh, that song holds a special place in my heart. It's kind of a, a remembrance of the glory days, if you will, of Dancing with the Stars. There was a time period where this thing was... Uh, you know, running on all cylinders and moving along really well. No problems. The ratings were great and everything was fine. And uh, unfortunately, it's not quite that way anymore. But uh, whenever I hear that song, I think about the good old days. But at the same time, we are entering into season 30 here. And think about that. Season 30 of this show. The little show that could. No one thought it would get there. Uh, I mean, hardly anybody did. All the guys at the ticket radio station where I work didn't think it would get there. So, uh, I'm pretty pleased, uh, definitely, to have it still on the air and still chugging along. Well, welcome. My name is Tony the Engineer, and uh, we're calling this thing here the Ballroom Blitz. It's going to be Dancing with the Stars talk, along with a lot of ticket radio talk. Uh, there is no uh, having one without the other in my world. Uh, they are intertwined. Uh, the ticket radio station, it, let's just put it this way, 
if it wasn't for the Ticket Radio Station, I wouldn't be doing a Dancing with the Stars podcast. Um, the guys at the station found out about my affection for this show many, many years ago, and they were fascinated with my fascination with it, I guess is the best way to put it. So uh, it's turned in to quite a thing here. Uh, some of the things I've been able to do uh, because of the station was, believe it or not, way back when they let me do a couple nighttime talk shows about dancing with the stars on a sports radio station. Um, I got to call in to a sister station for six years uh, about uh, the show the night before and preview the next week's show. I'm actually doing that again this year on a show called The Hang Zone on the Ticket that uh, broadcasts from 12 to 3. And uh, I even got uh, an invitation from an online publication. They were like, they contacted the program director and said, hey, who's this guy that talks about Dancing with the Stars all the time? And they had me break down the season 22 finale. So I wrote a little article about that. Um, I got on local TV a couple times, so the Good Morning Texas here. And uh, it's just been crazy, all the things that's happened. Then I got to do a, uh, a watching party even through the radio station where listeners of the show would come out or the station would come out and uh, watch Dancing with the Stars on the big screen. I had my tuxedo on and we had dance lessons and prize giveaways. It was an absolute blast. And every year these things keep happening. And I'm like, sometime this is going to stop. And it probably is eventually, of course it is, but here we are doing this little podcast thing called the Ballroom Blitz. So it's just the show and the station that, that keeps on giving back to me. Now, before we go any further, I do need to thank one person here that's helping me with this, T.C. Fleming. You guys know him from the ticket. He's a legend there. He's no longer at the station, but I'm actually recording this at his uh, little studio, and he's... Uh, guiding me through this. I don't know a thing about podcasting, and he's invaluable here, and it wouldn't be happening again without him, too. Uh, before I go any further, I would like to give you a couple ways to contact me if you have any interest in that. My uh, Twitter handle is at RedRhino300. My email is dwtsp1 at yahoo.com. That's the preferred method. Uh, I don't do much on Twitter, and you know, email will allow us to have a conversation. We won't have to worry about characters, uh, having too many characters and everything. And again, the email is dwtsp, the number one, at yahoo.com. And the reason I'm giving those out is because this is going to be an opinionated show. Uh, it's basically going to be my thoughts on this show that I love so much, Dancing with the Stars. And sure, we're going to have some facts and figures and some statistics that are facts, but most of what we're going to talk about probably is just going to be my opinion on things on this show. And for instance, if I have a top 10 list of my favorite dances on the show or the greatest dances, that's going to be my opinion. And it's going to be different than yours if you're a fan of the show. Uh, we may have some duplications, but with over about 3,000 um, dances, competitive dances we've had on the show, we're not going to have the same favorite dance, I doubt very much. So I would love to hear your, uh, your list when I come up with mine, and you can tell me why mine's crazy, and I'll, I'll do the same back to you, as long as we're respectful about it. Um, first of all, too, um, I don't know if it's first of all, I've already said that, I think, but you'll find out, and you've already found out, I'm not a radio professional. I'm going to do the best I can here, but I'm just a regular guy at the ticket radio station. I am an uh, audio engineer, which means I'm not in front of the mic, and so uh, there's going to be verbal pauses, there's going to be miscues, I'm going to start probably talking about something else that's off subject and forget where I started, but uh, I hope that my passion for both the show and the radio station 
is something that'll come through and you guys can uh, suffer through me not being that good at this. Hopefully too, by the end of this uh, season, we're only going to do probably about 10 podcasts. Maybe I'll get a little better as we go along. Um, there is something here though, that, uh, if, if I have a disease, it's like blue balls of the mouth. Uh, I want to talk about this show and I haven't had the option to do it really. Uh, most of the friends that I know that watch the show a little bit, yeah, we can talk, uh, you know, the greatest hits of the show, the basic things, but I want to talk about deep cuts, you know, like on an album, I want to talk about those records and songs that are way down the list. Well, that's what I want to do here. And so, uh, I'm hoping we got some Dancing with the Stars fans out there that uh, will be interested in that. Uh, most of you are probably ticket listeners. Uh, you will have to suffer through some Dancing with the Stars nuts and bolts talk because that's what this is about. But I will be playing some ticket audio too. And of course, all the discussions of how things happened happened because of the station. So hopefully we'll keep you interested as well as uh, the Dancing with the Stars listeners out there. Um, this episode here that we're doing is going to be a little different. I wanted to give you a little background of me, because you're probably thinking, well, who is this guy, and what gives him the right to do this podcast about Dancing with the Stars? So we'll do a little of that. Obviously, going forward, when the season starts, we will uh, dive more into the season that's going on. But um, that's the first question, I guess. Who is this Tony the Engineer guy? Well, my name is Tony. I grew up in Indiana, um, went to Purdue University there, I had a great childhood, and my brother and sister are much older than me, and they preceded me coming to Dallas, Texas. That's where this broadcast is from. And I kind of knew all along that I was going to be going uh, to Dallas when I graduated. Uh, my, my parents and I would visit Dallas, and my brother was down here, and he was always like the big man on campus to me. You know, I was visiting the big city as a little kid, and he was kind of like my hero. You know, he always had a cool car and a cool bachelor apartment, and I don't know, there were Playboy magazines laying all over the place, and he had a waterbed and just all the cool stuff of the 70s. Yeah, that's how old I am. And I just thought, wow, this is for me, and someday I got to do that. So sure enough, I followed uh, my brother and sister down after I graduated from school. And uh, the 80s were kind of a back and forth thing for me. I, uh, my parents were older when they had me, and their uh, health problems started pretty much when I moved to Dallas, and it was a tough time leaving them behind. And I'd come down to Dallas for a couple years and then move back to Indiana and help them get through some medical issues, uh, go back to Dallas for a couple years and go back to Indiana for a couple years. So that was a back and forth thing throughout the 80s. Um, and once they passed, I moved permanently to Dallas in the early 1990s. Well, 1994, I'm working at a job and a buddy of mine comes over and says, hey, there's this new radio station in town you have to listen to. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, it's a sports station. Um, but it's really cool. You'll love it. And I'm like, man, I don't want to listen to sports all day. I mean, I like sports, but not all day. And he grabs my arm and kind of looks at me very stoically. And he says, dude, I'm not kidding. You have to listen to the station. It is different. And Roy, if you're out there, shout out to you. Boy, were you right. And uh, I started listening in April of 94. The station started in uh, January of 94. I guess I should give you a quick background on that. The ticket is at theticket.com if you ever want to listen and you're, you don't know the station. And if you're in Dallas and don't listen, shame on you. 96.7 FM, 1310 AM. But uh, I started listening to these guys. And you got to remember, they were young men at the time. Um, we still have one show at the station now that was there at the very beginning, the Musers, the morning show. 
And I would listen to these guys talk about their adventures when they would go on trips. You know, it was just fun listening to them, you know, every day. But they would take trips to uh, Cowboys training camp, Ranger spring training, Super Bowl week. And these guys would broadcast all day and go out tonight as a group at the night and have fun. And then they would tell their stories the next day on air. And those stories were always riveting for me because they... They're great storytellers. <laughs> There's a lot of things these guys are good at. Um, and the founder of the station, Mike Reiner, used to always say, he retired a couple years ago, he always used to say, we can do what they do, they can't do what we do. And that's such a great statement because, yeah, we've got tons of guys that can talk X's and O's and sports all you want, but what makes us different or them different from the other stations is they can talk about anything else and make it entertaining and enjoyable. And that can be entertainment news, it can be their personal lives, uh, it can be things that happen to them throughout the day, it could be news of the day. And they can take stuff that you would think really is not much there and turn it into something. Hence, you get Tony the Engineer with this Dancing with the Stars thing. You know, I watched this show forever in anonymity and never thought much about it. And then the ticket guys found out, they were fascinated that I was fascinated with it. And next thing you know, they're creating something, I guess me, the monster. And uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and quite a ride. And many guys at the station still still help me out with it. Uh, the Hang Zone, which uh, broadcasts from 12 to 3, they're still fans of the bit. The Musers, the early morning show that's been here since day one, I think they've tired of the bit pretty much. But uh, for a while they had me on and uh, a lot of fun things have come from it. So uh, I'm listening to the station and then all of a sudden I'm thinking, I wonder if I could ever work there, you know, because it was a passion of mine just listening to these guys. I'd have cassette tapes and recordings and everything when I wasn't there and listen to them all the time. And sure enough, I was out at a remote once. It was a Diamond Talk remote, which is the uh, baseball show of record after a Rangers game. And it was the original guys, uh, Mike and Grego from the hard line. They were doing Diamond Talk at that time. And I saw a promo guy handing out koozies and stuff and talking to the P1. And it seemed like he's having fun. And I went up and asked him about it. And he goes, yeah, you can do it at night or weekends or whenever, you know, they have ticket events. So you could have another job and still do this. So he gave me the name of the person to talk to. And I talked to him. And thank you, Eric, for hiring me all those years back. And next thing I knew, I was on the promotions team. And uh, I thought, well, this is going well. Why don't I find other jobs I like? Because I wasn't real crazy with accounting. You know, I, I fell into accounting after college. I thought, well, I like animals. So I went to the Dallas Zoo and worked there for eight years. I went to a place called the Fossil Rim Wildlife Center in Glen Rose, Texas. It's about an hour and a half southwest Dallas. I've been there 21 years now volunteering. I go out every other weekend and do tours. And, you know, I'm doing things I like. And I don't make as much money, but uh, I'm enjoying my life much more. So... That's part of how I got into the ticket and how it's become such a big part of my life. Uh, let's see, 17 years now I've been with them, and hopefully that'll continue for a while. So that's how I got to Dallas. That's how I got associated with the ticket. Well, what's up with dance? Well, um, I grew up in you know the late 70s. Yes, I'm an old guy. And the late 70s, basically 75 to 80, was when I would listen to radio all the time and watch TV all the time, just being home and still a kid, was the disco era. And so I was immersed in the disco world because the music shows of the day on TV played what was popular, and disco was popular. So, you know, you had American Bandstand, you had Soul Train, uh, the Midnight Special, Late Night Fridays, uh, Don Kirshner's rock, rock Concert, Late Night Saturdays, thing called Solid Gold that had just 
gorgeous women wearing next to nothing dancing. And I'm like, I love all this. I love the music. I love the look. I love the dancing. And then my favorite show of all back then was something called Dance Fever. And if you don't know Dance Fever, go look it up on YouTube. There's some old clips there. Um, Dance Fever was basically the precursor to Dancing with the Stars. They had celebrities of the day not dancing on the show, but judging on the show. So they would bring out the celebrity judges and they'd come out and you know, I, I watched a couple of clips the other day, Gavin McLeod from The Love Boat, Melissa Gilbert, Little House in the Prairie, who's since been on Dancing with the Stars. Gosh, Wilt Chamberlain was on one of them. Uh, Horse Shack from Welcome Back, Cotter. Boy, I'm really dating myself. But it was so funny seeing these celebrities come out. And they came out with a couple gals and they were trying to dance a little bit. And even that was fun to watch them do that. But uh, Dance Fever, boy, yeah, the precursor to Dancing with the Stars. So I always loved dance. But there was kind of a push-pull, love-hate relationship with it. And it was started, you know, being in school. Uh, you go to a junior high dance, the girls are all on one side, the boys are all on the other. How many boys would be brave enough to walk across that gym floor and go ask a girl to dance? Well, most of us weren't too brave, but we would do it once or twice, and we'd get shot down, and then we're done for the night, you know, and we're just sitting around talking and drinking punch. I um, always was amazed that the guys would just walk back and forth and back and forth and get rejected and get rejected, but they'd keep doing it. And eventually they'd have some success, but that was a very angst-ridden time. That lasted through uh, high school pretty much, although I did go to my proms, but uh, um, when I got to college, I thought, okay, it's gonna change here. Now I can drink. And when I drink, I, I will go out and jump around on the dance floor and have some fun, and I don't feel self-conscious at all. That alcohol is an amazing thing, what it can do for you there. So um, a buddy of mine and I would go out every Thursday night to a place called Nick's on the Levee at Purdue, and I'd go ask a gal to dance, and she'd say no, and I'm done for the night, even if I was drinking. And my buddy Kurt, he would go over there and get shot down six times in a row, and then somebody would say yes. And he'd do that all night, every night we went. I'm like, how do you do that? And he goes, yeah, it's all about volume. You know, you just go over there, and I know eight out of 10 gals are going to say no, but two of them will say yes, and I'll get to go dance with them, and who knows what might happen. So that was just something that was never easy for me to do. So I love watching it, watch da watching dancing. I love uh, going places that have that vibe. And like I said, if I drink, I can dance, but boy, something like ballroom where you have to learn and then go out and perform and be judged and all that stuff, I just don't think I can do it. I've... Uh, taken several lessons. They've all been public lessons, and that's not good. I'll have to take private lessons if I ever do it again. But uh, I am running out of time, so I guess I need to get after it uh, if I'm going to do it. So anyways, uh, that's kind of how me and the ticket and Dancing with the Stars got together. Now, I guess I didn't get into the ticket and Dancing with the Stars thing so much. We'll do that in a couple minutes. I'll play some audio. Uh, but like I said, I watched the show for years in anonymity, and then the guys picked up on it at one time, and boy, they just kind of ran with it. And we'll get to some of that audio in a bit. But I do kind of want to go over some uh, Dancing with the Stars stuff, since that's what this uh, podcast is about. I'm taping this or recording this on the Thursday following the uh, Wednesday announcement of the cast. So that was just yesterday. And as usual, I don't know too many people uh, in the cast. I think I may have known five of the 15 people that are uh, going to be on season 30. So I can't give you too much of a background on them. Obviously, I looked them all up when I uh, found out who was going to be on. And uh, we'll just go over the list here, and we'll maybe give you a little idea of who I think might be good might not be. Let me take a drink here real quick. 
So first on the list is someone named Jojo Siwa. And she's a young kid, 18 years old. Uh, I think she's been dancing her whole life from everything I've seen. She was on the Dance Mom show. She's a YouTube sensation, full of energy, uh, dresses real brightly colored and like you would think a small girl would dance, although she's a young woman, I guess, at 18. But I saw her on Good Morning America yesterday, and she is just a ball of energy. I mean, off the walls, energetic, and that can be good, but it can be bad too. And I think she's got to reel that in a little bit, or she could off-put some people pretty quickly with the very positive full throttle energy all the time. But uh, she's going to be a good dancer, I'm sure. And she's got a partner this year named Jenna, who is a female, and she's a female, Jojo. So this is the firm, first uh, same-sex couple that we're having on Dancing with the Stars. And a lot of the other shows in Australia and, and England and some of the others have done this already. We're a little late to it here, but uh, we're doing it this year. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, this show is changing a little bit. It used to be a lot of older people that would watch the show, and I think that's still the core base, but they're certainly transitioning to a younger demographic. They've made that known. That's why Tom Bergeron's not there anymore. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how many of the older group, if anybody, has an issue with it. I hope they don't. I hope they can just judge her on her dancing, but uh, we've had people on before, like transgender people that created quite a stir, stir. And uh, again, I hope we're moving away from that, and this will be a, a good test, I guess, to see how everybody handles this. Uh, number two, Suni Lee, uh, Olympic gymnast. Her partner's going to be Sasha. I'm not going to go over all the partner's names. If you know the show, you know who they are. Sasha's a shorter pro, so he usually gets the shorter females, and Suni's a short person, as the most gymnasts are. Uh, gymnasts do well on this show. Of course, we had uh, season 23 champ Lori Hernandez, uh, season eight champ Sean Johnson. And other gymnasts have done really well on this show. So um, who knows? We'll have to see how her personality is and how she you know, relates to the audience. That's a big part of it. And sometimes how they get along with their, their partner or not, that, that makes people vote for you more too. So we'll see how Suni does. But I expect her to last quite a while. Number three, Kenya Moore. She's a real housewife of Atlanta, I believe. We've had uh, her partner's Brandon. We've had uh, real housewives on the show before. Uh, mixed results, but they usually finish somewhere in the upper half of the field. I mean, sorry, the lower half, really. They go home earlier than, than usual. Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, she'll probably finish unless there's something very unique about her. They seem to fall into that pattern of when they get eliminated. Number four, Amanda Klutz. Alan is her partner. Um, don't know too much about her either. She, I guess, is a former dancer. She was actually in the Rockettes. So you would expect that she's got good dancing chops just to start off with. Um, she's on the talk TV show right now, and I guess she's been a fitness instructor too. So a relatively young woman still that's in great shape and has dancing experience. She could go far with Alan, but uh, whether or not she warms up to the, you know, the voting public is another story. Uh, number five, Olivia Jade, her partner is Val. Olivia is the daughter of Lori Laughlin, who... Uh, Got in trouble for that college admission scandal, and I guess Olivia benefited from that, getting into USC, I think it was. I saw her briefly on Good Morning America yesterday. She doesn't have any experience, I don't think, dance experience, and she seemed a little subdued. Maybe she was a little overwhelmed. She's a 21-year-old uh, young woman. I don't expect too much from her, so it, if she lasts very long, that will be a shock to me. Uh, number six, Matt James, uh, a bachelor from the Bachelor Nation franchise. Lindsay's gonna be his partner. Um, again, I don't know much about the Bachelor Nation, so I don't know if he was a 
you know, a popular figure on that show. Uh, most of the men who come on Dancing with the Stars of the Bachelor Nation are not very good. Most of the females are very good. In fact, the last two champions have been bachelorettes. Uh, I think he'll probably last to six, seven, eight time frame. He might even go a little earlier if he's not a popular contestant on The Bachelor because a lot of the people who vote on Dancing with the Stars know The Bachelor Nation. Uh, number seven, Iman Shumpert. He's a basketball player. Danielle is his partner, Daniela. Uh, basketball players do not do well historically on this show. Uh, we've had some of the worst dancers of all time be basketball players. Clyde Drexler, bless his heart, great play basketball player, but couldn't dance a lick. Uh, Ron Artest, uh, I guess Meta World Peace is his name these days. Uh, gosh, Lamar Odom, Kareem, of course, was an old man when he did it, but no, none of them did very well. The best uh, dancer among the basketball players was probably Rick Fox. He finished... Let's see, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say sixth or seventh, I think sixth place in season 11. And uh, that was the best that basketball players do. I'm sure that the height is a big problem and they don't, it's hard for them to look fluid too when they dance, you know, and effortless. Number eight, Brian Austin Green. He is a 902, Beverly Hills 90210 alum. Uh, he's had three other castmates on before him, Jenny Garth, Ian Zirian, and Shannon Doherty, and they all had mixed degrees of success. Shannon went home really early. Both Ian and Jenny got pretty far. So if Brian has any dancing chops, he may last all right. His partner is going to be Sharna, who's his real-life girlfriend, by the way. So who knows if their chemistry come through, comes through and he has some dancing ability, he may last a while. I would look at him as maybe being a James Vanderbeek, who was on a couple seasons ago, who lasted a long time, but James was a really good dancer. If Brian is more a dancer like, let's say, Nick Lachey, who was on a few years back, uh, a lot of fun, and he was on, you know, good to see on the show, but not the greatest dancer, then, then he might only make it you know, seven, eight, nine again, somewhere in the middle of the pack. Number nine, don't know this guy at all, Jimmy Allen, he's a country singer. Emma's gonna be his partner. Uh, one thing, the voting demographic of this show usually treats country artists and anyone associated with country music very well. Bobby Bones, of course, we know him winning season 27, which was the nail in the coffin of the old show. Uh, he is a country music uh, DJ, I guess, or you know, talk guy. Uh, Lauren Elena did very well on the show. Chuck Wicks did all right. Uh, there's a couple guys that were in the rodeo world that had cowboy hats and were very countrified, and they did really well, even though they weren't the greatest dancers. So he might do well if he's obviously can dance at all. Um, number 10, Christine Chu. She is a actress on Netflix's Bling Empire. Know very little about her. And from seeing her on the show, I think she's gonna have a tough road against everyone else. She was kind of subdued and not out there. But if you're on a show called Bling Empire, maybe she'll bring it You know, when, when it's her turn. Uh, her partner's gonna be Pasha. Number 11, Mike Mizanin, better known as The Miz in WWE, the Wrestling uh, Federation. Let's see, Chris Jericho is the only wrestler that's been on before. He finished middle of the pack, I wanna say seventh place in his season. I wouldn't expect much different from The Miz. The Miz is crazy though, he'll bring the, the energy and the heat, and, uh, but I don't expect too much from him. Number 12, Melora Hardin, uh, actress on The Office, I guess, is what she's most famous for. Uh, her partner, I'm sorry, Mike's partner is going to be Whitney, by the way. Melora's partner is going to be Artem. 
Um, she looks like, uh, you know, a ball, in, a ball of energy from a 54-year-old. She's the second oldest contestant on the show this year. Very good-looking woman. Um, I think of her as maybe an elegant dancer from the ballroom type, but uh, who knows again? We haven't seen anybody, so we'll have more to report once we see these people dance. Number 13, Mel C. She is a Spice Girl. Uh, Mel B. preceded her way back in season five, and she finished in second place. Uh, I would expect good things from Mel C. She looks like she's in great shape still, and obviously she knows how to entertain and perform in front of people. Uh, her partner is going to be Gleb, which isn't the best draw for her in the world, but uh, don't get me wrong, I love Gleb, but uh, he's not had too much success on the show. Uh, and the other big difference between Mel B and Mel C, Mel B competed when she was 32 years old. Mel C is now 47 years old. And the 10 to 11 week season of Dancing with the Stars is a grind. There is a point where people just get worn out and they're kind of sick of their partners and they have a lot of injuries, nagging injuries, and they look up and they still got a month to go. That knocks a lot of people out. So um, she's not ancient, obviously, but uh, it's going to be a harder road for her, I would think, than Mel B, who was 15 years younger when uh, she was on the show. Uh, let's see, number 14 here is uh, Martin Cove. He's best known for his uh, portrayal of the karate instructor on The Karate Kid and I guess the Cobra Kai thing on Netflix. Um, and he's the old guy of the year. His partner's going to be Brit, by the way. He's 75 years old, and I'm glad they're still casting older people. Last year, they didn't have anybody over 60. This year, it looked like they weren't going to, but then Martin showed up. It looks pretty good for a 75-year-old. Uh, he was on Good Morning America also yesterday, and he talked about being able to do the splits and stuff back in the day, and he's kept himself in pretty good shape. Don't know if he can still do much at 75, but it will be interesting to see. Um, you know, it can go one of two ways at that age. Uh, you could be like Billy D. Williams or Geraldo Rivera, who were on the show, absolutely atrocious, uh, nothing against them, but they couldn't move. And then you could go look at a guy like Tommy Chong, who's, who's uh, the same age as Martin is, uh, when he was on the show, and he was just like the coolest guy in the room, and he moved pretty good, and he remembered his steps pretty well, and he lasted quite a while. So be interesting to see what happens with Martin. And then the final contestant, number 15, Cody Rigsby. Boy, this was an off-the-wall pick for me. I'd never heard of this guy. Uh, evidently, he's a Peloton instructor, so that's this bike riding exercise thing, and I guess he's pretty well-known. Um, I did a little research on him. And this guy sounds like a ringer. He was a professional dancer, supposedly. He worked with Pitbull and Katy Perry and Nicki Minaj and I guess a lot of people as a background dancer. And you, you don't get to do that unless you are a great dancer. So if that comes out, I don't know, there could be a little backlash maybe. There was a gal named Heather Morris in season 24 that came out as a professional dancer. And the voting public did not treat her well, even though she was unbelievable at dancing. So... Cody's going to be an interesting uh, look here coming up, and his partner is going to be Cheryl. So Cheryl, by the way, this is her 24th season of being a pro. That's, that's quite something for longevity because she actually started in season two. So she was at the very beginning almost, and here she is near the end of the series. I say near the end. You never know. Um, last year's ratings were good. The uh, 18 to 49 demographic was up 10%. And I looked at all the shows, over 200 network shows last year. There were only two shows that were up in the 18 to 49 demographic, and Dancing with the Stars was one of them. That's amazing when you think about it. And you know they made a concentrated effort to go young. 
Now, we may not like it, us older people, because we didn't think Tom was the problem and he wasn't, but if that's what their goal is to go young, they certainly made it work last year, and it'll be interesting to see this year because we have several young contestants again, and uh, Tyra, will, Tyra Banks, of course, will be up, up front and uh, center. And overall, I'm very happy with the cast. Um, I've given up long ago worrying that I don't know everybody in the cast. As I get older and the contestants get younger, I know less and less of them. But they followed their blueprint, their boilerplate, what they usually do. Um, you know, they have a good breadth there from old to young. They have someone from the Bachelor Nation, someone from the Olympics, someone from the professional athletics world, an 89, 80s, 90s musical group guy or a television guy. So they, they've covered all the bases. And uh, it's nice to see they're not deviating from it. They're trying to keep us older viewers happy by keeping all the judges and bringing Derek Huff back and keeping all the pros. Every pro that came back this year has been on the show before. And, you know, for us long-term viewers, the pros actually become more of the celebrities than the celebrities. Okay, there's a little actual Dancing with the Stars talk. I wanted to get back into how the ticket bit started with me and uh, Dancing with the Stars. I trace it to 2011, so a long time back. I don't have any audio of this, but uh, um, I was setting up a remote for the Hardline show, which is three to seven, and I was listening to the Bad Radio show, which is what it was called back then with Bob and Dan and Donovan. Um, they're on from 12 to three. And as you're setting up the remote, you know, I'll have the station on. And they, for some reason, they were talking about Rob Kardashian. And they were really slamming him. And they were saying, what's this guy ever done? You know, he's just a brother of a no-talent reality show family. What has he ever done? And I'm thinking to myself as I'm setting up the remote, well, he just finished second on season 13 of Dancing with the Stars. That's not nothing. And, but, you know, I'm out there. And I'm not with anyone, so I'm not telling anybody this. But for some reason, Bob and Dan couldn't let it go. And they just kept after him. And I had had it. So I sent Bob and Dan a text during their show. And I said, you know, Rob just finished second on Dancing with the Stars. That's, that's pretty good. And they didn't reply. I didn't expect them to. And I didn't think anything more about it. You know, I continue setting up for the Hardline remote, and, and that's that. So 3 o'clock comes, and they have a segment called Why Today Doesn't Suck, where Bad Radio, back then, now it's the hang zone, but Bad Radio talked to the Hardline every day. And uh, the very first thing Dan McDowell says, who was on the Bad Radio show, uh, talking to Corby on the hard line. Uh, who's your engineer out there? Corby says, it's Tony. And, and Dan's like, do you know, he just sent us a text saying Rob Kardashian finished second on Dancing with the Stars. And Corby, there's silence. And Corby turns around and looks at me because I'm always behind him usually at the remote. And he goes, is this true, Tony? And, you know, I, I'm like, uh-oh. I, I didn't want to talk. And in the early days, we were told engineers are to be seen, not heard. Now, if you know the station, you know myself and Killer and a guy named Blake Jones, who was an engineer, and now he's the producer for Hang Zone. We, we kind of blew that out of the water. We're all on air probably more than we should be. But uh, anyways, back then, I, I adhered to that. I would never saw, talk or say anything. And so it was a one-word one answer, yes. I did send that to Dan, but I just said yes. And then Corby, there's silence, and he looks at me, and he goes, why would you do such a thing? And he's, he's kind of like not smiling at all and kind of like giving me into evil stare, I thought. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. And I just said, well, Bob and Dan were talking, you know, about Rob Kardashian. What had he ever done? And I just wanted them to know that he did finish second on Dancing with the Stars. 
And he's like, how would you know that? And he says it kind of like, you know, looking at me, accusatory like, and I'm like, okay, I got to get out of this. And so I start crawfishing right away. I'm like, well, you know, I was just uh, skimming through the channels last night and um, I happened to come across that show at the very end of it. And there was a lot of hoopla going on. And I guess I had kind of heard about the final being that night. And I thought I would just look at it for a second. And he goes, oh, okay. Just so you weren't watching it or something like that, you know, and I'm like, Phew, I just dodged a bullet. You know, they let it go. And me not wanting to be on air back then and thinking that I shouldn't be was very thankful that it was over. But um, that kind of, I guess, gave it a little seed of something because for the next couple years, I never said anything still, but Dancing with the Stars would be on uh, entertainment news or something that they would have on their show. And they would bring it up, and every once in a while, Corby would say, like, if the ratings were falling, and he'd go, oh, the ratings for Dancing with the Stars are down, and sorry about that, Tony. And we would never have a conversation, but they remembered that little blip, I guess, of when we talked about Rob Kardashian a couple, you know, a year earlier or whatever it was. So as time went on, more and more contestants were on the show, and that meant there were more and more people that could be on the Why Today Doesn't Suck segment of birthdays. And I just started hearing birthdays all the time of Dancing with the Stars people when I was doing a remote with the guys. And I thought, do I ever say that person was on Dancing with the Stars? Now, most people will give a little biographical fact, you know, and I thought people would come up with Dancing with the Stars, a person that was on Dancing with the Stars, and they wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, why aren't you guys saying he was on the show? Oh, you don't watch the show. Okay, do I ever say something? And that's kind of was where I was at, the conundrum of do I ever say anything? Well, for some reason, uh, this would have been 2013. So it was like two years after the initial Rob Kardashian thing. And it took that long for me to get up enough nerve to say it. And I don't know why I did it this day, but we were out on remote and there was a birthday. It happened to be Bill Nye. And I do did record this one or have a recording of it. And they mentioned Bill Nye, and I think somebody says the science guy, you know, you give a little fun fact about him. And for some reason, I said Dancing with the Stars. After all these years, I finally did it. And I said it pretty low, not like the Dancing with the Stars today. <laughs> uh, I think I have that drop somewhere. I'll, yeah, this one, you've, I'm sure you've all heard this one here. Dancing with the Stars. So after all this time, here's the first time I ever said uh, a Why Today Doesn't Suck birthday. I thought we had Donna Calsill on or whatever that... Darva Conger? Yeah, Darva Conger, not Donna Calsill. <laughs> and uh, really... Darva Donger. Bill Nye is 58. That's the it? I'm a guy. fan. Dude, that's I would, it? I would think he's older. Dancing with the stars. How can you not be a fan? Wait, hang on, hang on. Tony Ooh, just wanted whoa. to jump in here. Sorry. What's up? Dancing with the stars. <laughs> Who? Who am I? He's on Dancing with the Stars? He finished second to last in this last season. Oh, Tony, I'm sorry. Give old Tony a call. How does Tony know that? Why are you watching like, Dancing Tony, with the Stars, think? Tony? Give him a call. It's one thing to know who won. 787 yeah. He's a Bill Nye P1. Did it's you vote for Bill Nye? <laughs> oh, I need to text NYE. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Tony Show. But... So there you go. The very first time uh, I ever had enough nerve to mention one of the Why Today Doesn't Suck people uh, on birthdays was on Dancing with the Stars. And of course, you know, I was scared to death to do it. I think you may have heard there um, 
Corey says, wait a minute, our engineer said something. And I think I apologized because I'm like, oh boy, I shouldn't be on air. I shouldn't be doing this. And then um, when he asked me what I said, and I say it again, Donovan laughed. And I've told Donovan this, that was like medicine to my wound. You know, one of the big nine hosts laughed at it. And I was so afraid they were going to lay out or like, what are you doing? That's ridiculous or something. And uh, Bob jumps in, Mike jumps in, give old Tony a call. It's the Tony show. And then Dan's like, how would you even know that? So since it was the first one, let's listen to that one more time. Or whatever that. Darva Conger. Yeah. Darva Conger, not Donna Calcio. (laughs) And uh, really. Darva Donger. Bill Nye is 58. That's it. I'm a guy. Dude, that's I would, it? I would think he's older. Dancing with the stars. How can you not be a fan? Wait, hang you? on, hang on. Tony Ooh, just wanted whoa. to jump in here. Sorry. What's up? Dancing with the stars. Who? Who am I? He's on Dancing with the Stars? He finished second to last in this last season. Oh, Tony, I'm sorry. Give old Tony a call. How does Tony know that? Why are you like, watching Tony, Dancing with the Stars, Tony? Give him a call. It's one thing to know who won. 787 He's a Bill Nye P1. Did you vote for Bill Nye? Oh, I need to text NYE. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Tony Show. But so there you go. Well, as luck would have it that day, there was another birthday, and um, we'll just let you hear it here. Um, and I, I said it again. I guess I was feeling feeling my oats then because uh, it went well the first time. I thought, and Donovan laughs again here, and it just cemented it. Uh, the second one. <laughs> God, I'm glad that drop hasn't got lost. Let's end with this. 37 years old today, Bob. Okay. Jaleel White. No. Whoa. No wonder y'all went to Rosa Parks way today. Dancing with the stars again. Oh, hey. It's the Tony Show. Give old Tony a call. (laughs) So there you go. Jaleel White was the second one that day. And again, Donovan laughed, and they're saying give old Tony a call and stuff. And, you know, when you get kicked in the nuts by these guys, you should wear it as a badge of honor. And uh, I felt really good that they were okay with it. But having said that, when you go to break then, it gets quiet out there on the remote. And the guys are looking, Mike and Corby were looking at their computer. And of course, as an engineer, I sit behind them. And I thought for sure, or I don't know if I thought for sure, but I thought they may turn around now and say, what in the hell was that? Don't ever do that again. And so I was still kind of nervous after the, 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 the segment was over. And of course, they didn't turn around and do that. And you know, I worried about nothing there. And I should have known better. Those guys aren't that kind of guy anyways. And and they didn't say anything bad about it, and they didn't say anything good about it. That's just the way it is with them. They are masters at taking something that just out of the blue came up, you know, an organic thing, and running with it and making it funny, and then they move on to the next thing. And that was great. So, uh, so I was feeling pretty good about it. But, you know, I don't work that many remotes, and they just don't have that many remotes. And then when I did, there wasn't always a birthday. And so... It was very sporadic that I would do this, and I was still nervous for a while. And uh, but every once in a while, I would do it, and you know, Corby would usually have <laughs> seemed like something to say about it. And so I always thought that was kind of funny. And so here's one that was a uh, I don't know a couple months later, and it was uh, let's see, yeah, Pendulette. And I think Mike kind of just uh, you know nothing big deal or something. And then I said it, and then Corby was a little upset, I guess. 
Grant, 66. There we go. Down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. Murray Head, 68. We're not in Bangkok. Penn Gillette, 59. Fantastic stars. And Tony's mustache is here. What are you doing? Tony has a weird love for Dancing with the Stars. I don't know if you heard Corby there. He's like, quick walk. Excuse me. Quit watching that, Tony. What are you doing? Almost like he was, you know, bothered by the fact that I was watching this. Oh, gosh. And then, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks later or something, um, another one came up. And this is uh, Cloris Leachman. And Corby's just kind of exasperated and just gives me a one-word reply here. Take Take it. it. Take it. (laughs) (laughs) Cloris Leachman, 88, Mike. Oh, Mike. Still would. With the Absolutely. Stars. <laughs> <laughs> damn it, Tony. <laughs> Willie. So I get the I get the the laughs, and then I get the damn it, Tony. <laughs> like, what are you doing again? <laughs> so that was always kind of fun. So that went on for most of 2014, off and on. You know, I would say something, but the musers, the morning guys, did not know about it because they don't, they don't listen to that much to the show, or if they did, they didn't pay attention to when I was doing that, and. I didn't work many of their remotes. So even when I did work their remotes, I wouldn't say it when they brought up birthdays. Uh, you know, the musers, a little intimidated by them. They're, uh, they're still there after all, this, all these years. They're a great show, and I think of them as more of a serious broadcast, I guess. I don't know why. They got Gordo on the show, and he's the funniest guy I've ever met. So uh, they do a lot of fun stuff, but I just didn't think I better be saying anything to them uh, on their show. Well, we had a girls' night out, which is a big station event where um, all the listeners come out and all the hosts are out there. And, you know, you could have 100, 200, 300 or more people, depending on the venue size. And Junior Miller from the morning show was on the round table. They had four guys up there. I think it was Junior, Mike, Donovan, and Dan. And Donovan's going to go do a wireless segment. And he says, something about dancing with the stars when he picks up the wireless mic and then dan says something and if neither one of those guys would have said anything i don't think junior would have followed up on it but they both did say something and uh let me get that queued up here sorry and you can hear it here do this than you uh me you all right let's do it or tony let's go with donovan sure (laughs) i love tones but this is kind of donovan's wheelhouse boy is it ever hello hello tony will want to talk about dancing with the stars (laughs) yeah that's it he has an unbelievable like he knows everybody who's ever been on dancing season 19 that's his trick wait you know it's season 19 he's watched every episode did you know that what are you no i didn't know this are you let's do that wait wait a minute are you a dancer I want to be. Ah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's some gold here we'll, we'll oh, have to get there to there certainly in a little is. Bit. So Junior's fascinated, evidently, by finding out that I'm fascinated with the show. And uh, little did I know, uh, later that night, a guy's night out, he was captain of the final round table. And... I had been working on getting tickets to go see Dancing with the Stars. And that's a long, whole other story. We can get into that someday. Uh, The process was a nightmare, and I was getting close at this time. And I don't know why, but we were talking along, and I just thought, well, I'm going to mention to these guys that I'm going to make an announcement next week. You know, it's a pretty big deal 
during Why Today Doesn't Suck next week. And they just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to share it with my buddies. So that's this. Stars, because you're such an oddity. Yeah, and you know, a week from tomorrow, I'm going to have a special announcement during Why Today Doesn't Suck. Oh, that is the, the best tease I've ever heard. A, a week, week from, from tomorrow. tomorrow. Wow. What a horizontal tease. So next Friday, you're going to give us a special announcement. Yeah. You guys are going to be out, and Hardline will be out, and I'm working Hardline. And you've and already got your coming out. out. Too, well, so. I don't have a plan because it's not official yet, but, oh. but it will be next you Friday. You have told the wife. <laughs> no, I'm hoping it will be. Excellent. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. If it happens, it'll be like Christmas morning. What is going on with this announcement? So there it is, my big announcement next week that I was going to the show, but I didn't tell them what it is. And I guess it was kind of fun. It made them you know, set an appointment reminder. And they re they remembered, I didn't see them all week and they, they remembered about it. So when I did work that show, that remote, they, uh, they brought it up. And then um, later on that night um, is when I recited the winners. And I guess this is probably what really cemented it for Junior, I don't know. Uh, he's just fascinated that I knew so much about the show. And we're talking along, talking along, and then we get to the point if I knew the winners or not. Answers. Well, Derek Huff is the Tiger Woods of Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Five-time champion. <laughs> so weird. This is really weird. Yeah. Could you name anyone involved in the show? No. Besides uh, Not, not the professional dancers. I, know, I, I used to know uh, Julianne Huff was on there. Yeah, she was a two-time champ, in fact. And <laughs> this is yeah. so great. And Tom Can you name Bergeron? Is he a host? Yeah. yeah. Can all, you name all, all the champions? Teams. Sure. Go. Really? 19 of them? Of course. Well, there's 18. Bring okay. it. All right, start with Bring season it. one. Season one champion. Yeah, Kelly Monaco. Two. Keep, Drew, just keep going. Drew Lachey. Emmett Smith. Uh, four was Apollo Antonono. Five, Elio Castroneves. Six, Christy Yamaguchi. Seven, Brooke Burke. Eight, Sean Johnson. Nine, Donnie Osmond. Ten, Nicole Scherzinger. Eleven, uh, Jennifer Gray. Twelve, Heinz Ward, who you guys always bag on on Bad Radio. Uh, Thirteen, uh, J.R. Martinez. Fourteen... Oh, Donald Driver. And he was awesome. He was kind of an upset win that year. Um, 15, Melissa Rycroft. 16, Kelly Pickler. 17, Amber Riley. 18, Meryl Davis. Oh, my God. That is, yes. un that is believable. the greatest thing I've ever heard, dude. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Wow. Dude, really? That is, wow. that and is he, awesome. And he's giving commentary. Was, that was effortless. You know, you know what this is like? Donald Driver. So there you go. That uh, I think that took it kind of the next level. That first year was just with Bob and Dan and Mike and Corby. And uh, then the Musers found out about it, or at least Junior did. And whenever I would work their shows for the next couple years, it would come up. And um, thanks to Junior for, for bringing it to them, because I don't think George is a big fan of the bit. And I don't think Gordon cares one way or the other. So it wouldn't have happened without Junior. Funny thing is, though, after a couple years of that, they had had enough. And... It's never mentioned anymore on their shows. One thing I think of is, uh, I don't know why Junior would have left me like he did, but I think George must have got him up in the cubicle area, you know, the old forearm under the chest, up, up in the chest and neck area and said, don't ever bring that guy on again about Dancing with the Stars talk. And yeah, it did hurt me a little bit just because uh, every other show at the station allowed me to come on and ask a question if they had a guest that had been on Dancing with the Stars, Hardline, Bad Radio, Norman D. And... Uh, the Musers have never allowed it. And the Musers get a lot of good guests. And I wanted to come on so badly with, with uh, Michael Irvin because I have a question for Michael Irvin 
and or Jerry Rice, that only those two guys could answer. And I think they'd get a kick out of it. I think it'd be funny, but uh, the musers have abandoned me. Uh, all right, well, there's a little history of how the whole thing started, and uh, we'll get into some more audio down the road, of course, but I uh, just wanted to touch base on that. Uh, it's time to get back to some Dancing with the Star stuff. So what I was thinking is, is we have a lot of history on this show. We've got 30 seasons, um, probably going to do about 10 episodes of the podcast here, uh, keep our fingers crossed, uh, and... We could maybe review three seasons an episode, and I won't go into detail or anything. Um, you know, I'll make it uh, uh, as brief as possible. But um, I just thought it would be fun, and so I thought today we would do seasons one through three. And you know, I remember seasons one through three like they were yesterday. All right, season one debuted on June first, two thousand five. Summer replacement show on ABC. Wow, think about that. 2005, gosh. And of course, I was right there watching uh, along with 13 million other people as I turn this off. Sorry. Um, by the end of the six-week run of season one, 22 million people were watching it. It was a big hit, uh, number one hit for the summer. Um, that first season, they had six celebrities is all, and it was only a six-week run. Kelly Monaco was your champion. John O'Hurley was second. Kelly is an interesting case as a champion. She got two fours her first week. Champions don't get fours. And she just had a meteoric rise from season or week one through week six. Uh, she started out really rough, and then she just got better and better very quickly. And the second place finisher, John O'Hurley, was much more stable throughout the season. And it was a little controversy when Kelly won over John because John was more stable throughout the season. You know, he was probably the better dancer in the early part of the season, and then Kelly overtook him in the later part. And there was enough controversy that ABC said, hey, let's do a dance-off in a couple months. So they, they went to September and did uh, a two-show dance-off between Kelly and John. Kelly was still going to be season one champ no matter what, but they did a dance-off thing for charity, and John won that. And that's the first and only time they've done that. But uh, Kelly is definitely a legitimate champion, and she's been a great friend of the show. She's come back, and she competed in the All-Star Edition season, uh, came back for the 10th anniversary. She's been in the audience many times, so great to have her as the season one champ. Season two debuted. De uh, debuted? What's that? I can't say, think of that word now. Debutted? Debuted. Debuted, yeah. January 2nd, 2006. Um, after that, the show went March to May, but they were so happy with the results of the season before that they wanted to get it on as quickly as possible. Season two went from six celebrities to 10, and then also added two weeks onto the run. Uh, Tom Bergeron got a co-host, a new co-host that season, Samantha Harris. For some reason, they let Lisa Canning go, who was the co-host for the first season. And then Samantha lasted through season nine. Um, Drew Lachey was your champion. Jerry Rice was second. Stacy Keebler, third. Uh, Jerry Rice really shouldn't have been in second place, and I didn't know it at the time, but that was very scary because he would have been, in my mind, a non-legitimate champion, and we don't want that on this show, and it didn't happen until season 27. Uh, but uh, he was there because of his massive fan support. Stacy Keebler, who finished third, was much better than him. Uh, you could go down the list. Lisa Renna was better. Um, I think Tia Carrera was better. I think Giselle Fernandez was better. Um, but Jerry had such a big fan following, he got all the way to the final. Um, on the judges' scorecard, Drew and Stacy both had a 27.7 uh, average. That's really high. 
and uh, Stacy had the first perfect score of the season and the first 10. So if Drew wasn't going to win, it should have been Stacy. But thank goodness Drew won. Um, Drew also came back at the end and had a great freestyle. Freestyle is the final dance that uh, the fans vote on. And in the early days of the show, it could make or break a season. Uh, you could lose a season based on a bad freestyle, i.e. Gilles Marini, season eight. And you could win a season based on a great freestyle, i.e. Donald Driver, season 14. So I think that freestyle that Drew and Cheryl did, Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, go look it up on YouTube. I think it is a, it's a classic, you know. It's the beginning of everybody stepping up their game when it came to uh, freestyles. Uh, one other thing about season two, had two of the worst dancers ever in it. Um, a guy named Kenny Maine. He was on uh, Dance Center, or I'm sorry, Sports Center on ESPN, and then he actually did do a uh, a Dance Center thing with Len Goodman and Jerry Rice, and and they did that for years and years and years. But he was a really bad dancer, and we only got to see him once. Um, but he had a good attitude and was was happy to be there. The other bad dancer of season two, Master P, was the exact opposite. He really didn't want to be there. And he didn't do anything. He didn't practice. He didn't wear the right costumes. Uh, he didn't have any desire to be there, and you could see it. And he got two twos on a dance. No one's ever gotten a two before or since. No one ever will. And it was hard to watch, and the judges had had enough of him. And uh, we're going to play a little clip here of the judges scoring his pasa doble. Hard to listen to. And by the way, Tom's going to say something here to diffuse it in the beginning, like, hey, there's kids watching, be kind. And that was the greatness of Tom Bergeron. He would take uncomfortable situations and try to mitigate them a little bit by saying something funny. Just before we hear from you, I just want to remind you, we're live and kids are watching. <laughs> Bruno? It was a nightmare. It was a... It was... It was a child, it looked like a child on a mole, lost, looking for his mother. I mean, how can I, I, I can't judge something that has got nothing to judge. There are two steps, step to the right, step to the left. All right. Shut up. But it's true. You know, you have to give me something out of which I can give a constructive criticism, but I'm afraid okay. there wasn't puzzle doubling. Len? I'm sorry. Very hard. <laughs> well... Uh, Master P, for me, you dance as though your heart's not in it. And I know the viewers think they're being kind in bringing you back. They're not. They're being cruel to you, to Ashley, to the judges. Honestly, it is time to go. Carrie Ann. Here for a moment, we're going to hear what the judges uh, score them. The judges have their scores. Carrie Ann Inaba. Four. Len Goodman. Two. Bruno Tognoli. Two. Uh, eight out of 30. I've got to say, you, know, you had mentioned, Ashley, in the video that he wasn't training as much as you wanted. And, P, I know for you, you said you give 150%. You've trained 20 hours total since the show began. But everyone else, on average, has trained 130 hours. I mean, how much do you want to be here and stay in the well, that's all, that says it all right there. He'd practiced 20 hours up to that point where everybody else averaged 130. Um, to give him a little credit, he was a last-minute replacement for his son, Romeo. Uh, Lil Romeo, I guess is his name. And he, he got hurt or something, and he couldn't participate in season two. He had later came back and did season 12. But So you got to give him credit for doing it. But 
you know, TC said this to me earlier today, if you're going to do something, you know, do your best at it. And that's kind of what I was thinking Master P did not do. He didn't want to be there. He wouldn't wear the costume. He wouldn't learn the steps. He wouldn't put in the time. And it was an awkward thing. And we'll never have anybody get a two again on the show. That's for sure. Okay. Well, that's season two. Let's go to season three real quick. Had 11 celebrities and a 10 week run. They were starting to feel their oats here and, and more celebrities in longer runs. Uh, 28 million people watched the finale, and that's unbelievable when you think about it. Even back then, that's a lot of people watching that show. Emmett Smith was your champion. Mario Lopez was second. Joey Lawrence was third. Uh, the first and only time the top three finalists have been men. And uh, even though Emmett was a very worthy champion and a great dancer, Mario Lopez was the best dancer that season. I have Mario as a top 10 male of all time in my rankings. Uh, there wasn't anything Mario could not dance. Uh, Emmett, I thought, was a bit limited. Again, I love, I love Emmett, big friend of the show. Uh, but I, 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 like I said, I thought he was a little limited. I would watch his dances and I'd be like, wow, that looks like last week's dance. And it's a whole different you know, discipline. And I don't know what to say. Either he, they didn't want to push him, his partner, or uh, they yeah, either they didn't want to do it because he couldn't do it or he, Cheryl just knew his partner that, hey, we need to stick with what this guy does best. And again, don't get me wrong, Emmett's a great champion. He deserved it okay, but uh, Mario was the better dancer that season. And poor Joey Lawrence in third place, my gosh. He was he was really good. He just ran into those two buzzsaws ahead of him. And Joey could have won some other seasons, but uh, if you looked at the judges' scoring, Emmett and Joey were much closer together than Mario and Emmett. Of course, Mario was number one on the judges' scorecard because he is such a good dancer. And uh, Mario would have been even further in front on the judges' scorecard, except he was a very bad boy. He uh, would break the rules a lot on this show. And when he would do that, the judges would call him out on it. And I loved that, because, especially Len, because there are, there are rules to this. And this is a competition, and you're trying to make big money. And... Mario did a tango, and it was just, it was fantastic. And the thing is, he did a lot of, uh, mistake, not mistakes, he did a lot of breaking of rules in it, and the judges call him out on it, and let's listen to that right now. To that. Listen, I'm a warrior. I'm not going to hold anything back. It hurts now, but it'll get you later. All right, well, you did, you did great, given all that. And Len, let's see what you thought. Whose idea was it to break the hold right in the middle of the tango? Whose idea was that, Mario? I'll tell you what. You're off your head. I would have given that a 10. Once you did that, you finished it for me. Well, hold on a second here. As Latin lover comes, you couldn't come better packaged because that was really the real deal. But, but, you're a naughty boy. You make us mark you down. You're working against us. Why are you fighting the rule? Why are you putting yourself in this situation? Now, this was something you argued about this, didn't you, over the week? You know, it's, it we was perfect right otherwise. Okay. okay. All right. Well, and but listen, approach everything next time. All right, carry on. Oh. There's nothing else to say. You guys are fantastic. I would appreciate it if you would respect the rules. You might go a little bit further in this competition. But you, it is a fantastic. Karina, you are the jockey. He's the horse. You've got to get tight the reins on him. All right. Honestly. All right, we'll get uh, Mario and Karina's scores right after the break. We're going to have a timeout for America. And coming up, she is one of... Ouch. We await their scores. Will the judges please reveal their scores? Carrie-Anne Inaba, 
Could have been a 10, but it's an 8. Len Goodman. 6. Bruno Tonioli. Could have got a 10, but is an 8. All right, that's going to give you guys 22. Now, I know that you, you argued about this all week in rehearsal as to whether or not you wanted to stay with the traditional tango. The audience, obviously, you can hear them, are very upset about it. But you, you did break the rules. Why? So he just goes on to say, I didn't mean to break the rules. I just wanted to, you know, entertain the crowd and stuff. But that's not the point. This is a ballroom competition. There's a lot of money at stake. There's rules to follow. And if you don't do them, I'm thankful that the judges called him out on it. Of course, Len's always the tougher judge. Gave him a six on that. Boy, he really got his point across because it was, a, it was an incredible tango. Go back on YouTube and watch Mario and Karina's tango. Uh, that's a good indication of how good of a dancer Mario was. Um, season three, a couple other things. Sarah Evans was the first person to withdraw from the competition. She had a messy divorce she was going through. In the history of the show, there have been nine people that have uh, withdrawn. And she was the very first. And let's see, Jerry Springer, he finished fifth in this season. He was in his 60s. He wasn't a great dancer, but he was a lot of fun on the show, and there's no way he should have finished fifth. But there was a radio station somewhere, I guess, in the country named Opie and Anthony that uh, prodded their listeners to just flood the votes for Jerry Springer. And he kept lasting and lasting and lasting. And Jerry actually said, to his credit, he came on TV a couple times, I think, and said, listen... Thank you for voting for me, but stop it. This is ridiculous. All these really good dancers are going home before me, and that's not fair to them, so please quit it. And they did, I guess, because he only got to fifth place. But uh, that was kind of the first real evidence of ballot box stuffers. And we've had a few incidences, boy, is that the right word? Incidences of that throughout the history of the show. Of course, it culminated in season 27 when, when Armageddon hit. But there's a little recap of seasons one through three. Uh, one other thing I'd like to do, Dancing with the Stars related, of course, is go over uh, some of my top 10 lists. And this, this week, we got a top 10 list called the most wronged people in the history of the show. Now, my list is going to be different than yours if you're a big fan of the show because this is opinions. And so, you know, email me when you disagree or give me your list or whatever. But uh, I wanted to give you my list of the most wronged people. And boy, there have been a lot of wronged people. Some of them in season three when Jerry... Springer kept going, going on those uh, ballot box stuff votes. Uh, honorable mention is someone in season three, actually, uh, Willa Ford. And it's interesting. This happened so early in the show's history that, uh, you know, you tend to forget about it. And I, I just had her on my list the entire time. And then I did a little research here and I'm, I'm knocking her off the list now. That's why she's only an honorable mention. Um, she was a real good dancer. She was paired with Max. It was the bad boy of the ballroom and the bad girl of pop is what they called her. So it was a pretty volatile uh, combination, but they were good together. And she was a good dancer. She got the first 10 among the females in uh, that season. And the thing that I thought was so wronged about her was she was in first place when the judges or when the uh, fans eliminated her. I always thought that the judges, if you if you're voted first place with the judges, you should be able to stay in the competition. But I think there were three or four others that were tied, so I get it, but uh, I always thought she was wrong. But then I found out, just the other day when I was doing a little research, she was offered to come back. Uh, the producer said, hey, you can come back. After Sarah Evans dropped out, you can come back to the show, and she declined. And I'm like, well, you can't be the most wronged if, you, if they gave you the chance to come back and then you declined. So she fell off my list, but I thought it was uh, worth noting. 
at number 10, it's kind of a group of women. I could have had a whole nother list of just these type of women. Women are wronged on this show an awful lot. It's the voting demographic. The, the older women who vote on this show, there's a, there's a demographic that votes on this show, at least in the old days. Older women, rural, conservative Christians. And they treat young, beautiful women who can dance well pretty poorly on this show for the most part. Like I said, I could have had a huge list just of these gals, but I picked Kristen Cavallari as the one here. Uh, season 13, 10th place. She was really, really good. Um, season 13 was a down season. I think she could have finished in, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh. So that's three or four spots. And not only is that being wronged by the spots, but the money involved, the money gets bigger as you go along. So she lost out on a lot of money, but she's just representative of a million gals that I could have put here. Paulina Portskova, Shandy Finnessy, Shannon Morker, Giselle Fernandez, Shannon Doherty, the list goes on and on of women who were voted off really early, 10th, 11th, 12th place, when they should have lasted at least till mid-season. Um, at number nine, I'm going to have Alexa Penavega, season 21. She finished in, I think it was sixth place. Um, the reason I think she was wrong, not so much because she didn't finish higher up, but it's a similar situation to the Willa Ford thing. Um, Tamar Braxton had to drop out of the competition after Alexa was eliminated. And that was a whole big deal. Tamar had a medical emergency, went to the hospital, and the show is live. So they were showing her at the hospital. And the rule was she had to come back and perform the final dance or she would be eliminated. So she runs back from the hospital, does a dance, goes straight back to the hospital, and they find out she has blood clots in the lung. Very, very serious condition. Amazing that nothing bad happened, thankfully. But Alexa was voted off. Well, immediately after the show, they find out she's got the blood clots and Tamar has to withdraw from the competition. I thought Alexa should have been asked back. In my opinion, Alexa was better than Tamar, but the producers didn't ask her back. And that would have been for a spot in the semifinals, which is $50,000. And I just thought that's uh, being wronged pretty badly. Alexa Penavega, number nine. Heather Morris is my number eight candidate. She could be way up the list. Heather Morris competed in season 24. The problem with Heather was she was a professional dancer before she came on the show. And, you know, there's a limit. We have to draw a line somewhere. Uh, you know, gymnasts and ice dancers, yeah, they dance and they, get, they have dance training. But Heather Morris was a professional dancer. She worked with Beyonce um, as a backup dancer. She danced and uh, choreographed the Glee TV show. And... Uh, you know, a lot of people had a backlash on her being on the show. Nothing against her. The producers shouldn't have asked her. But uh, she only got to eighth place because the voters did not want her going further because she was a professional dancer. But if you look at the pure reason people go on the show to showcase their dancing ability, she should have been in the final. So that's at least four spots, probably more, that Heather Morris was robbed of. Uh, number seven on my list, Albert Reed. One of the few men on my list, I've only have two, and Albert Reed uh, was in season five, finished in 11th place. A lot of people probably don't remember him. At the time, he was the youngest contestant to ever be on Dancing with the Stars, 22 years old, and he was full of energy. Uh, his first dance, his cha-cha, was just, <laughs> it was so much fun to watch, and uh, I wish he would have stayed longer, but they voted him off the next week. And you look at a guy like that, he was a male model, so he was good looking, had a ton of energy, so he was very fit. Um, and he was voted off in 11th. And season five was a down season. He could have, boy, I think he could have finished, 
I don't know, fifth or sixth in that season. So that's five or six spots. Cameron Matheson finished fifth. And Cameron Matheson was was just like Albert Reed, except he was 15 years older. So I think they could have easily switched. I think they were of equal talent. Now, we only got to see Albert twice, so maybe not. But he's my pick for number seven, most wronged. Number six is Willow Shields, season 20, finished in seventh place. Season 20 had four good dancers, and she was one of the four. Um, I don't think she was as good as the other three, so fourth place is where she should have finished, in my opinion, again. And uh, she was eliminated in seventh place, meaning she was robbed of three spots, and again, a lot of money, because uh, semifinals would have got her $50,000 if she could have lasted that long. So Willow Shields, my number six most strong person. Number five, Adrena Patridge, uh, season 11, seventh place. Season 11, another down season, another good-looking young woman that could dance well, that the voters treated very harshly. Uh, she got the first nines of the season. And the thing that made her the most wrong for me, not only could she have finished four spots higher, but she holds the record for the largest deficit or the largest lead on the next person to get eliminated when you add in the fan vote. I don't know if I said that very good, but she was 4.8 percentage points ahead of Kurt Warner after the judges vote. And that's huge in the history of Dancing with the Stars. No one else came close to that until season 27. And Kurt Warner overtook her with the vote of the demographic who likes, who likes football players and who likes men better than they do like women. So I thought Audrina Patridge was really wronged. Number four, Juan Pablo Depache, the only other male on my list. He was season 27, the Armageddon season when uh, Bobby Bones won. Uh, Juan Pablo, the best dancer that season. I mean, you could argue maybe Tanache, maybe Milo, but I think he was the best. Didn't even make the finale. If you don't make the finale and you're the best dancer of a season, that's just a crime. So he was robbed of three or four spots. He had the earliest perfect score in the history of the show when Len is a judge. Uh, week three, I think it was a Samba. Uh, perfect 10. Uh, <laughs> Lynn is a tough judge to give a 10 in week three. That's amazing. It happened two other times, but Lynn wasn't judging at that time. So uh, he was first place almost every week. Uh, and the night he was eliminated, he had a perfect 60, two perfect dances. Uh, it's a crime he didn't make the finale. Okay, we get to the top three women, and these gals are kind of in a class by their own, mainly because of the number of spots they were denied and thus the ton of money they were denied. Christina Milian, season 17, uh, finished in, uh, let's see, ninth place. She should have been in the final. Heck, she might have been able to win it. Uh, Amber Riley won it that year. Corbin Blue was fantastic. But Christina was, what I saw of her, should have been in the uh, final. And she was in first place again the night she was eliminated. So probably robbed of six spots and a ton of money. And who knows, maybe the championship. Season 27 again, I uh, just talked about Juan Pablo in season 27. There was a female named Tanache. And I knew going in, she was in trouble. It was either going to be her or Alexis Wren. Again, two beautiful young women who could dance really well, but they weren't very well known. And I'm like, one of those is going to be an early elimination. And sure enough, it was Tanache. Eliminated in 10th place. Ridiculous again. Should have been in the finale. Uh, so she was robbed at a minimum, probably of seven spots. And uh, yeah. <laughs> It's just, what, what can you say? It's just, it's bad that happens when it happens. That's why we needed the judges save and a lot of other stuff long before season 28. And then uh, the number one most wrong person in the history of the show. And let's see if we got a little sound effect here. She deserves it.
the number one most wrong pe- person in the history of Dancing with the Stars, Sabrina Bryan. Um, and it's, she will never be overtaken because she was wronged not once, but twice. In her original season, season five, probably the best dancer of the season, eliminated in seventh place. And then she came back and was in the All-Star Edition, season 15, and was eliminated five years to the day in eighth place. And she was also eliminated on the night she got a perfect score. Again, just wrong, wrong, wrong. Poor Sabrina Bryan, wronged on two different occasions of the glory of being the best dancer of a season or close to it, and the glory or whatever, the financial benefit of making tons of money. So there's my list of the top 10 most wronged. All right, well, we need to finish this thing off. I'm sure you're tired of hearing me talk. I'm tired of talking, although I could talk forever about this show. Um, Real quick here, uh, every year for people that know me here, I have been, last five years, I've been giving away a um, trip out to Los Angeles to see Dancing with the Stars live and in person. I know this may sound a little weird, you don't know me and all that stuff, but um, I've got references. I can tell you a couple names of people you could talk to if you're a little worried about it. But I like giving away a trip because I love going out to the show, number one, in Los Angeles. And number two, I love sharing it with somebody. And I love sharing it with a real hardcore fan of Dancing with the Stars. And I met some really cool people doing this, and I've kept in touch with two or three of them. And it's it's just been a lot of fun. So what we're going to do, and I'll start it on the next podcast, is we're going to have some kind of contest, a season-long contest here. And the winner will get to go to Los Angeles to see Dancing with the Stars in person. That would be season 31, so I know it's a long way off. Um, So you may not want to mess with this. Plus, it's a season-long competition, so you're going to have to listen every week and see what we're doing as far as the contest goes. But uh, for the person that wins, it's a round-trip ticket out to L.A. Um, I'm going to have to keep it in the U.S. here, so I guess if you're listening in in a foreign country, I won't work because I can't imagine what the airfare would be. But uh, round-trip purchase or ticket to L.A., two nights hotel stay. Um, The rental car and food would be covered if you want to hang out with me. If you don't, you can get your own rental car and your own food, of course. But no matter what, the hotel room and uh, airfare will be taken care of. And you can bring somebody if you want. If you have a family member that you want to bring or a friend, they can stay with you in the room for free, obviously, but they will have to pay their own airfare to get out there. So um, I need to come up with a way to have a contest. Last year on the Hang Zone, what we did was we just had trivia questions each week. And at the end of 10 weeks, they sent me the answers. And I was surprised at how many people got all 10 right. And so we'll probably have to have a tiebreaker if anyone gets involved with this, but who knows? I don't know if anybody's going to listen to this or even get in the contest. So you might have a good chance if you want to do something like this. So um, what I'm asking you as the listener to do is I won't be doing another podcast for two weeks. Got too much going on next week and the show doesn't start for two weeks or a week from Monday anyways. So I'll be back in two weeks. We'll break down season... uh, 30 week one and we'll do some other stuff and i'll also have the first trivia contest question if that's what we're going to do what i would like for you guys to do is is give me to brainstorm and to give me an idea of what you think a good way would be to give away the this ticket to go see the show live and in person um i'm having trouble coming up with anything different it's, it's obviously going to be difficult because we're not physically in the same location and you guys are listening at different times and stuff but uh Um, I'd be curious to hear if anybody's got any ideas. So just shoot me an email at dwtsp1 at Yahoo, and we'll see if we can come up with a contest uh, worthy of giving away a free trip to see the show live and in person. Uh, Okay, well, I think that about does it. Let's see what we got here. Are we, is anybody going to send us out? (laughs) Yes, he is.
The party's over. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. And tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. Ah, yes. For those of you that don't know, that was Dandy Don Meredith singing uh, Turn Out the Lights, The Party is Over. It's a Willie Nelson song. He used to do that all the time on Monday Night Football back in the 1970s. Yes, I was alive in the 1970s. Um, he was part of a three-man booth of Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford and, Gifford, and himself. The heyday of Monday Night Football. I can't tell you how that was a must-see every Monday night as a little boy. And I just always loved it when Don would sing Turn Out the Lights. And then um, we're also going to end each week with something else here. And that's not what we want. Sorry about that. <laughs> we may edit this TC. I don't know. Okay, here we go. I promise we'll get better at this. I'll get better at this. This podcast thing is all new to me. Anyways, I thought it'd be fun to end each week with a song of a former contestant of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, well, listen to this one for a little bit. Forgive me, I'm jamming out here. I'm almost kind of dancing. This thing reminds me of like a 1980s, 1990s roller skating rink. But uh, this is uh, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, the male that you're going to be hearing here in a minute. Whoops. Got a little reverb to his voice there, but uh, Babyface Edmund was in season 23, finished in 11th place, and that was about right. He finished behind Vanilla Ice, who probably should have finished higher, and in front of Rick Perry, who shouldn't have either. <laughs> but uh, it's funny, that, by the way, there, the female, that's Tony Braxton. We'll get to her in a second. But yeah, Babyface, it's interesting, you know, such a good singer, and this dancing was okay, but probably shouldn't have been any higher than he finished 11th. And then Tony Braxton, who's singing with him on this song, season seven, eighth place. And she should have finished higher. Again, the old bias against good-looking women. They, uh, she should have finished higher in that season. Hell, Flora Sweetsman finished in front of her, the oldest person ever on the show. But uh, yeah, that's Babyface and Tony Braxton taking us out. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. This thing ran really long. I know we may edit some of it out. I don't know. Um, this was the first time I've ever done anything like this. We'll get better at it, I promise. But I thank you for uh, listening as much or as little as you did. A big thank you to T.C. Fleming again. Uh, couldn't have done this without him, and he's going to help me get better, hopefully. We'll get better and better as we go along the next 10 weeks. Um, I'm going to be off a couple weeks. We'll talk to you episode two, the week of the uh, premiere episode, September 20th. Monday is the premiere. We'll be back sometime around the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Uh, time frame and i can't wait to talk more about this show that i love so much thanks again for listening and uh, this is tony the engineer signing off see you in a couple weeks bye